Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Uh, 2022 saw the canonization or beatification of several men and women, including those who were martyred. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of these remarkable men and women. And with us to take us on this uh, profile is EWTN's Michael O'Neill. He's the creator of the documentary series, They Might Be Saints. He's also a host of the radio program, The Miracle Hunter, and the popular website, MiracleHunter.com. He's a recognized expert on Marian apparitions. He's appeared on NBC, The Dr. Oz Show, and faith-based media platforms worldwide. He's the author of several books, including They Might Be Saints. Michael, good to have you back. Thanks. Hey, it's great to talk with you again. We've got a lot of uh, great saints this year. We do. We do. Uh, who was uh, Charles D. Foucault? Well, he was... Uh... He was in Algeria. He was uh, a, 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 a he was a someone who had uh, an incredible background. I'm always fascinated by these saints who uh, they're not just uh, straight down the middle as far as uh, the things that they, they they don't just enter into a a, a, a convent or into a seminary. Right. Right. Uh, Charles A. Foucault. He was a soldier, a French soldier, explorer, geographer, ethnographer. He was a Catholic priest and a hermit. Uh, who lived in Algeria. So I think yeah. he had a, a very interesting background, and I think something that a lot of people are attracted to, somebody who uh, tried out a bunch of different things in life. Yeah, yeah. And he actually has left behind the writings, too, that we can take a look, his his unique kind of desert spirituality there. Um, he, was he a Trappist? Uh, I, I don't believe so. Okay. Um, but... Um, one thing that really uh, was interesting to me about uh, Charles de Foucault was uh, his miracle that was used for his uh, canonization. I'm not sure if you heard of this one. No, but, tell me. Uh, what, what was fascinating is that there was a man who was actually uh, working in a church, uh, preparing it uh, for the feast day uh, celebration of Charles, and his name was also Charles, and he was actually an atheist, and he fell from the scaffolding and was pierced by uh, some metal as he fell to the ground, wow. and all the people who were gathering there uh, later to, uh, to to celebrate that feast day mass all prayed uh, to Charles uh, for his healing, and sure enough, the man was taken away, and with uh, very little medical intervention, he came back to perfect health, and uh, as an atheist, he, he owes his life to uh, Charles de Foucault. Wow. No. How did uh, uh, Charles die? Uh, Charles died, um, he was, uh, he was killed by bandits, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. he was dragged from a hermitage by a group of raiders, uh, in, in this group called, uh, led by this El Madani Al-Agsoba, and he was, uh, they, uh, intended to kidnap him, however, they ended up killing him, and he, uh, and, and so, uh, he is, is considered a, a martyr from that, yeah. from that point of view. Who else, uh, were you interested in last year, in particular? Well, one of the interesting things, and perhaps this is just because uh, I'm I'm so, uh, you know, I, in in the show they might be saints, which airs on EWTN on Fridays uh, at 4 p.m. Uh, Central Time. I think we cover such a wide variety of saints, and one of the things we always talk about, uh, from miracle workers to martyrs uh, to those ordinary people living extraordinary lives of heroic virtue, we have martyrs like uh, this man uh, Deshivanian Palai 
in India, and he was canonized as a saint by Pope Francis. And he's not part of any religious institution or uh, or anything like this. He's the first Indian layman to ever be uh, declared a saint, uh, not being part of religious life. So I oh. thought he was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but what was uh, really interesting to me is we have uh, Titus Brand, uh, Brandsma, Carmelite. His miracle was found here. Uh, in the United States, uh, I, I interviewed him on my radio show, Father Michael Driscoll, uh, a healing from uh, a stage four uh, melanoma, and uh, that was considered to be the miracle used for him. But what's really interesting to me was uh, this uh, man who was actually uh, canonized or beatified, I should say, according to the new path of sainthood. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or if listeners might be, but of course we have those people who are martyrs, we have those people who make, make it through heroic virtue. And then we have this new way uh, established by Pope Francis just a few years ago, and it's called ablatio vitae in Latin, which means the giving up of one's life out of love for another. And there's been a number of people who have been proposed according to this, uh, into this uh, new path, and we have some even here in the United States. But uh, we have the very first person to be recognized according to this new path, and that was just in December. And his name is Franz de Castro Holsworth, uh, who uh, was in Brazil, and he won a Human Rights Award for what he did. He actually gave his life, it was, there was a riot, and he gave up his life. Uh, there was a policeman who was captured by these rioters who was about to be killed, and uh, this man, Franz, he stepped in. And he was shot to death forty times, knowing uh, one of the big one of the big uh, things with this is you have to know when you give up your life or exchange yourself your life for another, uh, you know that uh, death is imminent, and it was the case. And his uh, life was examined as a life of virtue prior to that event, and so he uh, is has moved on to blessed, and he's the very first person in history. Uh, to be uh, moved along this path of Pope Francis. Yeah, that's fascinating. I I think this is it kind of expands the notion of martyrdom uh, in a way. This is a person who lays down his life uh, out of love, uh, even if he's not laying down his life necessarily because of uh, hostilities towards the faith. Exactly right. It's yeah. not one of these cases of odi- an odium fidei, yeah, hatred of the faith, but... Uh, it follows the uh, the footsteps, uh, of course, of Maximilian Kolbe, the proto-martyr for as the martyr. That's a good point. So, yes, uh, that's right. Pope Francis identifies others uh, who have given up their life out of love for another. And uh, you, you can't be an atheist and you do it. You have to have lived a life of some virtue, I suppose, leading up to that. And yeah. the Church recognizes that. And, and it's sort of a fame of sanctity that grows after your death. So yeah. uh, that's uh, it's a new path by Pope Francis. Now, tell us a little bit more about Titus Brandsma, if you would. I, I'm not sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we know about the, the miracle with Father Michael Driscoll, but tell us a little bit about Brandsma's life. Absolutely. And when I was in, uh, in England, actually, for uh, filming new episodes of uh, Explore on EWTN, I, we went to... Uh, the, the location of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which is in Aylesford in England. And I was I was happy to see so much attention giving to Titus Brandsma there, who was a Carmelite. And he was a Dutch Carmelite. Uh, he's a friar and a Catholic priest, and he taught philosophy. And he was, it was really his opposition to Nazi ideology, and speaking out publicly about it uh, before the Second World War. And he was thrown in prison in the concentration camp, and that's where he was murdered, and uh, he went on to be beatified in 1985. And, of course, 
uh, once you are uh, once you are martyred, you are elevated to blessed rather than saint. And uh, once you're at a blessed stage, you need one miracle, and that's yeah. what we were looking at with that miracle here we in Florida. Michael. So, yeah. uh, and uh, there's only been approximately 30 cases like that in the United States where you have a miracle coming out of the United States that used that's used for a beatification or a canonization. Can you tell me anything about Saint Giovanni Battista Scalabrini? So he was uh, he was an Italian, of course, with that name, and he uh, served as the, <laughs> that's a good guess. <laughs> that's a good guess there. Just like people can guess, I'm Irish with my old apostrophe. <laughs> but um, he served as the Bishop of Piacenza uh, from 19, 1876, and he uh, founded this Missionaries of Saint Charles and the Mission Sisters of Saint Charles. So he uh, he had a great impact as far as his missionary work. And uh, he was also uh, just declared to be uh, a new saint. So, uh, you know, we, we have a, this huge set of, of new saints, new blessed, yeah. new venerables. Yeah. And, of course, you, you know the process. You start off as a servant of God, and then yeah. when your life of heroic virtue is established, you're a venerable. When you got the one miracle, you're a blessed. And a second subsequent miracle that leads you to become a saint. So uh, we had a handful in each category this year. So it's always exciting for me to see the new people who are announced each year. Yes, and so it's interesting, too, to see how the Church uh, thinks on these things, because um, th- this is something that they can, we continue to think about. Um, and I think, you know, uh, also with doctors of the Church, uh, a lot of people wondered how uh, Therese Rizot would be a doctor of the Church, uh, well, she doesn't sound like Thomas Aquinas to us, you know. Uh, but again, uh, John Paul II was aware of uh, there are different forms of teaching, uh, different expressions. And uh, I think this is something we should be quite pleased with, is that the Church, again, is not locked into— uh, it, it can the Church can respond to new expressions. That's what I'm trying to say. And we've done Absolutely. that. Absolutely, and, and I think in the past we've seen uh, many more priests and nuns coming out of congregations that are supporting their sainthood cause and funding uh, those same co- sainthood causes and sending them to the now dicastery of the congregation for the causes of saints. Yeah. Uh, but now we see some uh, people who are are, are of a, a lay background. Right. Like Carlo Acutis there in Italy, the the youngster who uh, died of leukemia, and uh, his cause is being moved forward quickly in, in Rome because uh, they see him as such a great example. So we have uh, examples all across the board. Holiness is for everyone. Yes. Amen. Uh, I'm just curious, though, if, you're, if you don't have a religious order standing behind you and doing the funding and the work, the research, who, who steps forward for a layman? So it is an interesting complication because we all know that sainthood causes are very expensive, and Pope Francis has been working to uh, decrease the cost, uh, the price tag of becoming a saint. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's something like that. Um, but uh, when it comes to canonizations, anybody can step forward, whether it's the friends, it's the local community, and in the case of uh, people who serve in those communities of, of women religious or priests, it's often their, uh, their, their communities that would like to see their foundresses or members uh, being declared saints by the Catholic Church, because it certainly benefits uh, them in, in many ways and, and makes their community uh, stand out to the world. But um, anybody could stand f- forward and, and join a cause, even for lay people. But of course, that is a little bit trickier. Uh, fundraising is always a hard thing across yeah. the board in the Catholic Church. Do do dioceses uh, pick up the, the burden then, or is, do the dioceses generally stay away from funding for a, a, a cause? 
Well, they in general they they stay separate from that. But uh, for example, there's a, a focus missionary who you may have uh, reported on on this show. Her name is Michelle Dupong. Yes, uh, she's from the United States, and uh, she her canonization cause is moving forward. And certainly, focus has probably funded some of that right. to, to move her along. And the diocese has helped as well. So. And, and you know, there's there's many aspects to a canonization cause, the looking for miracles and the hiring of doctors to look at those miracles. But before that, the collection of all the documentation on their life and right. going through, coming through, making sure that there's nothing in their life that's problematic and that sort of indicates that they shouldn't be considered. So it's a, it's a long process, and a lot of people are involved, many volunteers, but it's a, it's a, it's a great thing to see that... Uh, the, the diocese when they can, and also the orders when they can, and also uh, local organizations and people funding these causes as well. You know, it is, it's an, it's amazing, an amazing process, and uh, I wish more people were familiar with the, uh, the, all the various steps and the degree of research that's done. Uh, these lives are uh, assiduously studied. Nothing goes, no stone goes unturned, as I understand it. Is that right? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we talk about uh, cases like uh, Fulton Sheen, whose cause is paused, unfortunately. That's right. It led many people to say, well, what's going on if they discovered anything new? There's nothing new under the sun to discover about Fulton Sheen. He went through the whole vetting process and and leading up to him being declared venerable. The church is very careful. They never start approving miracles before the person is known to be uh, a life of virtue. So I think the church is very careful in these things. Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you once again for joining us and uh, greatly appreciate your helping us out on these things. We'll talk again. Thank you. Michael O'Neill is the author of several books, including They Might Be Saints. You can uh, see him regularly in the documentary series, They Might Be Saints, and also his radio program, The Miracle Hunter. Uh, 